What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Chaos in Christ podcast. I'm your host, Alexi Felix. Today, I'm going to be speaking about a question that I received from a friend through Instagram about what's happening in our culture with drag story hour, drag shows for kids, transgender men exposing themselves to little children, and everything else that I can't even begin to list. It's just way too much. But in order for me to answer the question that was asked, which was how do we fix this and how does this change? The question is a good question because it begins, it's starting to show me that people in the culture are really waking up to this stuff and they're looking for answers because it's scary and we can see the decline in our society and it's just, that's not good for the future. Something doesn't seem right about this. We have lost our way. And so my attempt to answer is to go back and really understand the underlying ideology of everything that it, that is taking place and, and where, where it stems from, what it really is coming from. And so my attempt here is to speak about a specific topic, which is known as post-truth, which is basically an ideology. Now, I'm going to be reading something real quick from my phone here. November 16th, 2016, Oxford Dictionaries announced that post-truth had been selected as the word which, more than any other, reflects the passing year in language. It defines post-truth as relating to or denoting circumstances in which objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than appeals to emotion and personal belief. Did you hear that again? Did you, did you really catch that? Relating to or denoting circumstances in which objective facts are less influential in shaping the public opinion then appeals to emotion and personal belief. You want to know how a society can get with the program to follow along with cultural relativism, critical race theory, this idea of white privilege and the white supremacy and the systemic racism that is embedded in the very fabric of the, the walls of America. You want to know how people go along with that? It's not by giving them objective truth. Because for some reason, we don't like objective truth. It has no influence over our lives and swaying us in our opinions. What does? Emotions and personal beliefs. Emotions and personal beliefs. Hold on to that thought for a while. Because sure enough, you'd know that is the time we're living in. Everyone has a personal belief. Everyone expresses that through their emotions. And there's no questioning it. You cannot question someone's personal belief. Now, reading on a little bit more, the word itself can be traced back as far as 1992, but documented usage increased by 2,000% in 2016 compared to 2015. <laughs> so 2016, that's when things started to ramp up. And I think most of us that have been around, we know 2016 really, things started to shift. And then 2020 happened, and wow, what a shift, right? Now, there's another thing that reads here. Punditry on the post-truth era is often accompanied by a picture either of Donald Trump, which they can't stop talking about him. And I, I, obviously, they want to paint the picture of post-truth as something that you've been emotionally triggered by, which is Donald Trump, and people get tr triggered by him. 
quite easily. Bull's Truth is a product of populism. It is the bastard child of a common touch charlatans and rabble ripe for arousal. Okay? It is often blatant disregard of the actual light. I really don't know what that means. The truth about post-truth. But this interpretation blatantly disregards the actual origins of post-truth. These lie neither with those deemed undereducated nor with their newfound champions. Instead, the groundbreaking work on post-truth was performed by academics with further contributions from the extensive roster of middle-class professionals. Mm, Did you hear that? Left-leaning, self-confessed liberals. They sought freedoms from the state-sponsored truth and said they built a new form of cognitive confinement, post-truth. So, middle-class professionals, people like ourselves, are the ones that ushered in this scenario that we got going on in our world. And some reason, though, we are all convinced that we need to be blaming the rich man, the white rich man. But in reality, this post-truth thing that we've adopted so heavily is done amongst ourselves. It's a very interesting notion. It's something to really just think about for, for a minute. More than 30 years ago, academics started to discredit quote-unquote truth as one of the grand narratives. There you go, the narratives, right? That's the term that we hear all day today. And those academics back then called it the grand narrative, the Basically, it's the story that they want you to follow along. So they were getting all philosophical in in their classes, which clever people could no longer bring themselves to believe in. Instead of the quote-unquote truth, which was to be rejected as naive and or repressive, a new intellectual orthodoxy permitted only truths, always plural, frequently personalized, inevitably relativized. What does that mean? Personalize, relativize. It's cultural relativism. Basically, it's the term of your truth is your truth, my truth is my truth. And that's it. And that's how we all get along. There is no one truth. There are truths. Everyone's personal beliefs are their own. And that's where we're at. That's what's happened. So where what happened? What's the problem with that? Isn't that easier to just say, look, I can't convince you of my God and you can't convince me of your belief and your whatever. Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. Yeah, it was all fine and dandy up until my truth said your truth is a lie. And now that's where the conflict started to begin. And that's where personal beliefs started to rise up as God itself. It was elevated higher. Because if that logic is to be consistent, right, and we're going to follow this logic, then you have to admit that when I say my truth is my truth and that my truth says yours is a lie and you agree to the other part, then you have to agree that your truth is therefore a lie? Huh. No, it's not. It's my very being. It's my personal belief. It is my identity. It is who I am. It is where I Pitch my fork on. It's my Instagram bio. What are you talking about? You're a bigot. You're a hateful person. You are a homophobe. You are a racist. You are just exercising white privilege. And it begins. And that's the problem. That what we're dealing with here isn't just that there's a bunch of homosexuals that really want to be accepted. 
transgenders that really want to be accepted. It's that their personal beliefs are their gods. And their personal beliefs cannot be questioned because there's many truths. But it's faulty, is it not? Like the logic just defeats itself because, again, if my truth is my truth, your truth is your truth, and, and my truth says it's a lie, then is it a lie? Is it? Is it? You have to agree if you're going to be consistent with that very argument, but you can't because now I'm attacking you as a person. And who are you to judge me? Judge not. Remember, Christian? And I think it was Paul Washington that said, twist not scripture lest ye be like Satan. We just don't know the word of God truly like we think we do. We take little passages and we take it out of context and we use it to defend our wickedness. That is very bad business right there. So we need to understand something here. This whole post-truth thing, this has been around, around us and under our nose for a very long time. So you might be wondering, okay, so clearly there's something wrong with this. Yes, because there is an objective truth. And there was a time in our country's history that we can you know, see this. That's what objective is. It, it's, it goes without saying. It's, it's obvious. For example, and I know that what I'm about to say is very politically incorrect, but the objective truth is that there are only two genders. And there was, a good, there was a time when you were able to say that. If you're a parent like myself, when you're about to find out the sex of your child, unless you're doing some uh, gender reveal party, and those have gone pretty weird lately, unless you're doing that, some people just opt out of the gender reveal and just say, look, I just really want to know. That's what me and my daughter's mom decided to do. We decided to know. We didn't really care about the gender party we're gonna have a baby shower or whatever i really want to know and you this might shock you but there were only two options and i was told mine was a girl and that's what she came out as and i think the only other option was a boy i really wanted a boy but i'm so grateful that i got a girl but unfortunately that's just the only option i got I'm being sarcastic here, but you get my point. There's, it is so objectively true that the technician that was doing the thing, I forgot what you call it, the minute she was doing that, the only thing she can give me was one of two things, male or female. Now, there's some pseudo-philosophical people out there that are going to be like, that's just genetical and science and this, this, and that, and chromosomes, and they're going to come up with these jumbled words and everything like that. Don't get lost with that. There is not, there's either male and female. We know this is objectively true. That is an objective truth. And so therefore, there's a greater truth, the only truth. And we're going to get to that in a second. So the question was, that I posed to my friend on Instagram, what do you think it is? Because this has been under our nose. The same thing I explained. What do you think this is? What do you think that these people... This culture, the leftists, the transgenders, the homosexuals, the pride people, all those people. What do you think it is that they are trying to attack? What are they warring against? Now, the response was freedom, independence. Not really. They had the freedom to, to practice their perversion all they wanted. 
we weren't going and looking for them and discovering them in the room with the other man and then throwing them off the top of the buildings like some other nations do. No, they pretty much have it all at this point. They can do whatever they want. They got their own freaking towns in certain areas in the States. So they got the freedom. Now, there is a penalty to that because it's an error. Homosexuality, transgenderism, sexual morality in general, adultery. That's an error. That's that's sin. And there's penalties and consequences for these sins. What happens in the post-truth world, especially with Christians in the mix, is that they don't want to hear that, that, that you're a sinner and that you need to repent and that God, that he has wrath against these things. And so the, the culture begins to divulge into their own personal beliefs. But look at the chaos that has been erupted because of it. We can't even determine what a woman is anymore. But unless... Unless it's time to talk about abortion. Now we know who's a woman. You know what I'm saying? That's that's just how the reigns and falling we've gone with this logic. There's no consistency. It's hypocrisy upon hypocrisy, and it continues and continues. And because of it, hypocrisy and lies and all this stuff, it can't contain itself. This is why we are becoming so so much more disrupted in our society and our and it's just more chaotic at this point because it can't rest it can't live off of that forever basically is what i'm trying to say and just can't do it what is it it's not freedom it's not independence they can do whatever they want they will be held accountable for it but they can definitely do whatever they want but now it's like they need to force it onto the kids the corporations have to force it onto their customers you know, all, everything, it's got to be forced. And you got to be careful in certain states mispronouncing or, or not properly addressing someone based on their pronouns, whatever, right? You have to be careful because you could even lose your job at this point. You could lose your livelihood. You could be taken to court and your business be shut down because you refuse to bake a cake for a homosexual wedding based on your beliefs and your conscience. And by the way, those are facts, that's what happened to someone. That's where we're at. And if I, God forbid, call a man who is dressed as a woman, but I can obviously tell that's a man, life for me could get pretty hard. But that's the post-truth era. And you can't question that. It's not about freedom and it's not about independence. It's something deeper than that. This is an overt attack against God. And against the truth that God has established and the standard that he's established. The Bible teaches us that he had made male and female in his image. His laws are just and he is righteous. And he actually does have wrath against sin. And so now we dive into the post-truth Christian, which is oxymoronic if you ask me. But the progressives, the left christian the lefty christian the evangelifish these guys who operate on the 11th commandment thou shall be nice they have constructed for themselves a brand new jesus a jesus that is all inclusive all loving just peace there's no sin there's no hatred against homosexuality matter of fact jesus i don't think he ever said that's that is what they're saying and preaching thou shall be nice 
Christians that say we got to protect your witness. When the churches were being opened and the government was saying shut it down. Those type of Christians, quote unquote, they fashioned for themselves a new Jesus. Because you could talk to a lot of Christians, quote unquote, again, today, that would claim, yeah, I'm a Christian. I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up in the Bible Belt and and whatever. When you get down to it and you examine them based on their fruits, as the Bible told us to, because there is judgment that needs to take place. We do actually judge one another. And as long as we do it in righteousness, where we're not being hypocritical by judging someone else when we have a plank in our eye, we are called to judge. We're going to judge. You do it all the time. Everyone judges everyone all the time. You you have to do it for survival. Anyway, nonetheless, this is an attack on God and his created order. Think about it. A man can become a woman. A man could get pregnant. Try talking like that in the 1940s, 50s, and 60s. You would be completely ostracized. Centuries even back, you might be hung for this nonsense. It's just an abomination. There's no no question about it, but we are in the post-truth world. So how do we change this? Right now, a lot of us are thinking that not only is this insane and chaotic and just downright evil, but they're winning. They are accomplishing their goals. They're accomplishing everything that they sought out to do. They are infiltrating the schools. They are indoctrinating children. They are succeeding in having parents put kids through transformations of their gender. You think that they are winning. And this is where I'm here to tell you they are not. We're going to be looking at a passage in scripture. And it's found in Romans chapter 1, verse 18. Read, read along with me here as we talk about this. They're not winning. Verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in righteousness. Let's pause right there for a second. For the wrath of God. This is Romans chapter 1, verse 18. God has wrath. He hates sin. He hates wickedness, perversion. He has a standard. He is holy. Holy is to be separated from. He is not like us. And we cannot touch him in that respect. He is truly holy, truly righteous. He is the embodiment of it. He is righteousness. He is justice. So there is a wrath against wickedness and darkness but because he is truth and he is light and he is good and so therefore cannot pardon evil cannot pardon wickedness and won't otherwise that would not make him a good god that would make him an unholy god an unrighteous god he has to punish it and it's not that Later on, the wrath of God against unrighteousness and ungodliness is just going to come later. Now, there is, in a sense, a greater judgment and a final one. But here's here what the scripture said. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness, all ungodliness of men who what? what do, why? What do these men do? 
suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Think of suppression of the truth as like taking a beach ball and trying to submerge it underwater and making sure it stays there. Do you know how much work you need to do and focus you need to do in order to keep that accomplished so that way that ball doesn't pop back up into the surface where it truly belongs, where it's trying to get out of? That is the picture I get of suppression. We know the truth. We can see it. And we are trying to dig it down and push it down. And it's taking all of our might and all of our hypocrisy to keep it down there. Verse 19, because that which is known about God is evident. I just alluded to that. Let me continue reading. Within them, (laughs) the truth about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since... The creation of the world, his invisible attributes, both his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so they are without excuse. His attributes, his goodness, his provision, his care, his detail, his omnipotence, all of his attributes, his sovereignty. His love, his joy, his anger towards sin and wrath towards sin. It's evident before us today. It's been evident before us since the day we were born. We are without excuse. When you look outside, you look at the trees, look at the sun, you look at the sky, look at the clouds, you look at the birds, you see how all of these things work in its function. That he has been clearly seen. There is a creator that created this with an intentional purpose. So we're without excuse. Man is without excuse. We will be held accountable. We are held accountable before God. Verse 21. For even though they knew God, ah, man, they did not glorify him as God or give thanks. How disrespectful. It's like you're it's like having a kid born and they know that you're their dad and mom. They just, They know. There's no denying it. And then they look you dead in the in the face and they don't acknowledge you as one. And don't even thank you for all the provision and the sacrifices that you make for them. What do you call that child? Ungrateful. Yeah. Rebellious. Transgressor. There's discipline that needs to be made. They knew God, but they did not glorify him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their thoughts and their foolish heart was darkened futile in their thoughts what does it mean to to to, for something to be futile impossible it's not going to be it's not going to be successful your purpose is is purposeless you will try and try but it will end nowhere near what you think it's going to end. Futile in their thoughts and their hearts were darkened. Now, verse 22 is very keen because this kind of explains the left and all the smart people in the world. But be careful when you start labeling people and thinking that the other person is the boogeyman. We'll get to that uh, a little bit later. But verse 22, professing to be wise... 
all the all wise, the the ones that went to college, and the ones that will tell you that communism really hasn't been tried, and that there's like way more than two genders, and there is male and female gender is a social construct, and things like that. The wise ones, the ones with the degrees, with the woman gender studies and stuff like that. Yeah, those people. But there's other people as well, professing to be wise. I saw this one guy that was uh, on Facebook posting like, why aren't we written into the Bible today? He thought he was wise with that question. But verse 22 again saying, professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the likeness of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Isn't that our culture today? We take all that's created, creatures, man, animals, and we worship it. How many people view their dogs as literal children? Don't get me wrong. I love dogs too. I'm a dog person myself. I'm not a cat person, but I'm a dog person myself, which I don't know why I ended up with two cats. Anyway, yet they're not humans, and they're not to be worshipped. They're not the Savior. They're not there to truly answer all your problems in life. Man and their ideas will not save you. And yet we take the true God, the incorruptible God, the God that is good, that provides you and gives you common grace. We trade that truth for the lie. We worship ourselves. We worship our personal beliefs, our own truths. Verse 24, therefore, and this is very important because again, I mentioned you think that they're winning, but this is the judgment of God. And this is what? He does because of these futile thinking, because of this unrighteousness and ungodliness and the suppression of truth. Verse 24 then tells us the judgment of God. And what is that? Therefore, God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to what? Impurity. So that their bodies would be dishonored among them. Ouch. Sounds like transgenderism is a judgment. Yeah. Verse 25, for they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Verse 26, for this reason, God gave them over to dishonorable passions. Again, dishonorable passions, your own beliefs. Passions are feelings that are out of control. Look it up. So this is judgment again. This is still judgment. God gave them over to dishonorable passions for their females exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way, also the males abandoned the natural function of the female and burned in their desire toward one another. You, you, you can deduce from here, but look, look what it goes on to say. Males with males committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. There's sickness that comes from homosexuality, real physical sickness. I think I saw a stat out there that the average person who dies of homosexuality is like in, in their mid thirties. There's consequences for this stuff. And even if they live long, there are consequences for this stuff. Absolutely. Verse 28, and just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them over to an unfit mind to do those things which are not proper, 
having been filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, violent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the righteous requirement of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. Now, you might be thinking, oh, this definitely means the leftists and the transgenders and the homosexuals and all these and the Democrats and, the, and all them. And you're not wrong. You're definitely not wrong. But if you heard the list, you should probably be sitting and burning a little bit even within yourselves. Have you gossiped? Have you slandered? Have you been arrogant? Have you been unloving and unmerciful? Do you still hold grudges and unforgiveness towards your neighbor, your brother? Your family member? Have you committed adultery? Have you slept with another man's wife? Have you slept with another woman's husband? That is the question that one must ask themselves. Because the wrath of God is against all those who are ungodly and unrighteous, who suppress the truth. There's going to be a part two to this. And we're going to dive into more of the passage in chapter two of Romans. What's the answer here? How do we fix this? I, you know, what, is, what do we do to keep it nice and simple, to let you simmer on this for a bit? You need to repent. We need to repent and confess our sins before God and place our trust in Christ who took the cross for these very sins that I just read out to you because the judgment is here. They're not winning. They're, this is judgment. This is the result of it. God will not be mocked. You cannot practice sin and pretend like you're with him and not expect to incur the judgment of God. And the judgment is this, that he gives us up to our debased mind and our passions that are dishonorable, that do not glorify him, but that would reap the penalty of our error. This is not just for homosexuals. This is also for those who are fornicators, who go out and sleep around and are sexually promiscuous, even if you're straight. I too, I too was guilty of such sins. But praise God for his grace in Christ who redeems you and saves you from that sin. But we have to repent. We have to turn back. Because if you think this is all about freedom and independence, left and right, red and blue, if you think that's what this is about, then you're, you might go and become a, a right-wing activist. You might go and get into involved with campaigning and political activism. And there's, a, there's some good into that. There's good in that. But if your worldview isn't truly rooted in Scripture, in a Christian worldview, then what you're doing is playing the same game and going to end up in the same hell. And that's the reality of this whole thing. How do we fix this? How does this change? Nothing but the grace of, of Christ alone. And that's the, only, that's the only thing we have. Now, we are in the midst of chaos. 
I'm going to be uh, diving a little bit more into this. There's probably going to be another series or two, two more. But again, I got to leave you with some sort of encouragement. The truth of the matter is this. This chaos is brought upon a rejection of God and his truth. But Christ is there and he's willing to forgive. And he has taken the ultimate price by dying on the cross for your sin. Turn now and repent and put your faith in Christ. And I promise you, he will do the work. He will change your heart. And in that, in that transformation of your heart, true change will begin to happen. A revival will begin to come. But it starts with the church. So until next time, in the midst of this chaos, as I always remind you guys, just remember, Christ is there. God bless you.